Welcome to Revolutionize Your Retirement Radio, bringing you insights and strategies to help you create a magnificent and fulfilling second half of life. Here's your host, certified professional retirement coach and best-selling author, Dr. Dorian Mincer. I want to welcome everybody to my fourth Tuesday Revolutionize Your Retirement interview with expert series. I'm Dory Mincer. I'm owner of Revolutionize Retirement and your host for this series. My guest today is Kim Pottiger. Let me tell you about Kim. So first, I, I met Kim in person, which was really nice. I had heard about her, and she came to the States. She's done a lot of work both in, she lives and works in South Africa, but she has gotten very involved in the field of psychology, of aging, and financial life planning, and has done a good deal of training in the States. And so at one point when she was here in Boston, we had gotten together and had tea together, which was quite nice. And I had the opportunity of reading her book ahead of time and being able to make some comments about it. And she actually had included a reference to the book that Roberta Taylor and I co-authored, The Couple's Retirement Puzzle. So Kim is Director and Retirement Life Planner at Chartered Wealth Solutions, which has combined her two passions, the relationship people have with money and advising people on how to get the most life from their money in retirement. She's a certified financial planner and one of the only two registered financial life planners in South Africa. And she describes her day job as guiding people to pursue the life they really want in retirement and in life. Besides being a business professional and author, she's also a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Her book is called Retirement, and it was interesting. When I first saw the title, I I emailed her and I said, I think you spelt retirement wrong. (laughs) She wrote back and said, nope, I really meant it that way. It's retirement. So it's R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-A-N-T, and the idea is get more meaning from your money. And she wrote it as a resource to inspire readers to create a meaningful future beyond retirement. And the book's available from Amazon. She's passionate about people living fully and significant lives, not only in retirement, but especially then. She's also convinced that the right attitude and perspective are essential to achieving this. Her passion is for you to get the most meaning from your money. In order to do this, it's important to examine and shift, if necessary, your relationship with money. To look at how balanced your life is and plan to get the most return on life and at the same time making sure you're getting return on your investments. The time and effort you put into this process in planning results in a magic where you're proud of who you are and living each day to the fullest. And I must say, having read her book, she really does have a very nice way and conversational style of getting people to think about not just your money, but getting making your money work for you. So the other part I didn't mention about you, Kim, that would be helpful for people to know is that Kim is really young. She's not like the same age as most of us on the call and got interested. You were in your 20s, really, right? Were you in your 20s when you started getting interested? You what? I said I'm 47 now, but I was, yes, I was attending conferences in my early 20s, retirement conferences. So... Would you share a little about kind of what got you interested in this? Let's start with that and some of the attitudes that you've seen then in your 20s and now and because uh, it really is an unusual interest for a young woman and it became a whole career for you. So let's start with that. Okay. I'm not sure if you've mentioned to everybody that my main job is being a financial planner, but right. that I specialize in the retirement space. So you tell you you introduce yourself a little bit more too because you didn't even get to hear what I said. So you can I did say that, but continue with that. <laughs> so my fascination started wanting to change the way financial planning was done in South Africa, which I've had a number of visits to the states, and it's done in a very similar way, where when you see a planner, they plan for your finances and you're something that just happens to be there. But the main focus is always on your money. And so that was my driver. But then the people that take their money seriously are the people in the retirement space. Because all of a sudden you see this amount of money you've got and it's quite limited. 
so you really take it seriously. I've tried planning for younger people, but unfortunately they have so many expenses and so many other things that they don't want to spend hours discussing it. So it became my focus by default. And then just how my life turned out, it, neither of my parents got to retirement age. My father, we have an unfortunate problem in South Africa where we have a lot of crime, and he was killed in a hijacking. And my mother got cancer, so neither got to retirement age. So it really became a core driver for me to explore this area. And my business is very much, we focus only on people near at or in retirement. So every day of my life is spent speaking to people going through this transition. So although I'm not going through the transition, my interest has really come that way through chatting to clients. And your background, I think it's so informative. One of the things that I found so poignant from your book is that you tell your own story and both losses of your parents and also of a child that's gotten you so focused on on thinking about the fulfilling parts of life and really making the most of it. And so it's a wonderful way that you combine the interest in money and people. Financial life planning is relatively new to the industry. I know some people on the call, we've done some focusing on it, but perhaps you could take a little time to just talk about what is a financial life planner and what difference is a financial life planner versus just a financial planner? Okay, so very much our company, when I joined it nine years ago, we were what we would call mainstream financial planners. And I think I knew before I joined the company and came into the industry that I was much more fascinated by the relationship we have with money than actually where the money is invested because actually we don't have much control over the markets although financial planners, we like to pretend we have, but our main control that we have is over our clients, or not control, but influence we have is over our clients' relationships. So we changed our entire process. We came out to the States. We first met with George Kinder, and we did his course. I am registered life planner to the Kinder Institute. And then we were very fortunate. We read a book that we picked up at your FBA conference called The Next Step, and in that, we read a lot about Mitch Anthony. And my partners and myself flew out to the States and we met with Mitch. And he taught us a lot about the importance of changing our focus of conversations with clients. We came back to South Africa and as real entrepreneurs, we implemented everything. And now our clients, before we discuss money with them, we have no money discussion. We have what we call a life planning meeting where we delve into their lives and we work out what their goals and dreams are for their lives, and then they come back for the next meeting, which is the first time we actually look at what money they've got and how it should be invested. So that's how we do financial life planning as opposed to just financial planning. And more and more people are beginning to do it, is my sense, but having that holistic approach is so important. Some people on the call might not know about... George Kinder, and also Mitch, you might want to, can you just elaborate a little bit of what you learned, and that may lead into, because I know both of them influenced the book that you ultimately wrote, but I think very much it's influenced your work. I just know that not everybody is aware of either of them. Okay. So basically, my degree when I went to university wasn't a financial degree, it was a psychology degree. I'm just taking one step backwards. But I realized that people would not go to a psychologist to discuss their relationship with money. They go to a financial planner. So I made a conscious decision, instead of being a practicing psychologist, to be a financial planner. And I often call myself a psychologist in disguise because the people that really need to discuss their relationship with money come to me thinking that I'm only a financial planner and actually what they're really looking for is somebody that they can explore their relationship with money about. My learnings came from George Kinder, who is known as the father of financial life planning in the world. He runs a course where he teaches financial planners how to have these more in-depth conversations that they're comfortable having. Remembering financial planners are quite left-brained people. They talk numbers and figures and analytical stuff. And basically, he teaches you to have the discussions with clients about what is the money for, 
what does the money represent? And, and that's who he is. And the work he's done, and I'm sure there are a number of financial planners in the States that do his work. And then George Kimball is similar. He's written seven books on, on, on financial life planning. He mainly speaks to financial planners, though. His whole focus is speaking to financial planners and encouraging them to have what we call conversations on return on life as opposed to just return on investment. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? I like on, that on concept. No, that's great. I like the concept of the return on life. I also wanted to comment that now there are a lot of psychologists and social workers who do get trained in helping people with money but and dealing with the, their money issues from the past and the meaning of money. But the difference is you have that combination skill now of the financial planning and the understanding of the psychology of money, which is wonderful. And more and more financial planners are doing that. But I know in my practice, I do have people who come or who are, some of them are referred to me from financial planners to help them understand more of the depth issues about their relationship with money. I I think the professions have become much more fluid and much more collaborative with each other, which is really, really helpful and important. I know. No, just oh, one go thing ahead. I want to mention on yep, that. Please. It, it, yeah, please. It's yep. very important for the callers and stuff. A psychologist hasn't got the same insight. If I go and see just a psychologist and, and I'm discussing my relationship with money and the psychologist tells me that I should go and do X and Y and Z, they don't have the insight into really whether I can afford to do that or not. So when I'm sitting with a client and we're delving into your dreams, I've got like a magic tool in front of me that can actually, I know how much money they've got, I know if it's properly invested, whether that, they're just living in fear and whether they can actually go and afford to do much more with their lives. No good me encouraging people to give up work and go off on their wondrous plans if they actually haven't saved enough. And we need to be realists in, in, in it all to make us responsible as opposed to telling people they can have things that we don't have the financial insight into whether it's affordable or not. Good point. And that's where I think that even when some financial planners aren't trained in the financial life planning, which is a wonderful combination when people are, but luckily there's some that do this collaboration. And I know for myself, I also... Whenever anybody comes having issues around money, if they don't have a financial person that they work with, that they need to because you need to deal with the reality and to know what's reasonable or not reasonable to do. So I totally agree. And I think it's wonderful. And more and more financial planners are getting trained in being able to do this more holistic work. Some have the psychology background that Kim does and some don't. And some, the ones that don't also realize what their limitations are if some of the psychological issues come up that feel like it's more than they can bargain with. I find that sometimes around issues with couples where couples are coming from very different positions and some financial planners who don't have the psychology background like you do, Kim, sometimes get overwhelmed. They like to know that there's someone they can refer to so that you can work. So working in teams can work really well because then you're going in with both those insights. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I think that's a really important thing to get. Our industry as financial planners and perhaps in the United States you're more forward thinking than we've been in South Africa. But the whole success of us all is the recognition of the public that this is what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's the recognition of the financial planner. That's how we can really add our value as opposed right. to pretending that we work and we know exactly what the market's going to do next month because actually we don't. <laughs> and I think sometimes people don't like to hear that. <laughs> that that financial planners don't always know what that's going to be. So what, I know that it took about three years for you to write this book. And I was telling people earlier that I've had the opportunity to read it. And I think it's very helpful. And you've got great exercises in it. And you use this metaphor of the kaleidoscope, which I love, which is the kind of a metaphor for growth and change. So why did you want to write the book? What was the process? And how has it felt since it came out this year? Yes, it came out. And the really strange thing, which you won't understand, our country's quite small. So it's up to now I've sold 3,000 books. And I think in South Africa, when you sell 4,000 books, you're actually a, a bestseller. So we right. don't have the amount of people that, that you all have. But 
in real terms, just the feedback that I've got from people has been so incredible. And more than that, it's just people writing and saying, oh, thank you for giving us hope that retirement can be an exciting period of our lives and everything. So that's been great. The reason I wrote the book is I get to see X amount of clients are chartered and I can't get to the wider public. And this was a way that the message could actually spread to more than just clients that can afford to come and see me because a lot of people who come and see me have got more money, but the book can help the, the general public out there in a, a lot more way through the book, and that's why the book I feel needed to be written as opposed to just having the financial life planning meetings with the clients because then that's quite limited how many people that I get to spread the message to. So can you talk a little about some of the concepts from your book? Before you do that, let me ask one question. Elizabeth from Maryland asks one question before we go off to the book. She said, what are some of the red flags one should look for when making a decision to work with a financial planner? Well, my answer is going to be quite a simple one, really. Is My first thing is trust your gut, trust your intuition. If you meet somebody and your gut and your intuition is telling you that this person thinks they know more than you and they're more interested in themselves, that's when you put your running tackies on and you get out of the room. I think when you're with a financial planner, that definitely has your best interests at heart and is not trying to work for a commission. I'm not sure in the United States, but in South Africa, a lot of our financial planners work for a commission, and I much prefer the idea that I would be paying my financial planner a fee because if I'm paying them a fee, I know I'm getting objective advice. And then thirdly, the qualification. I think you have the same as us. We have the certified financial planning diploma that everybody should have. And those three things, trusting your gut, knowing they've got the right qualification and putting you at the uppermost in their minds, I think is a good combination in order to ensure that you're getting a good financial planner. Great. Let me ask one other question from somebody else, which I think will lead into a little of what you talk about in the book. But Paul from Florida says, Kim, without a clear purpose in life, financial planning could become a somewhat academic process. How do you relate financial planning with life purpose? I'm not sure. Has everybody got the worksheets in front of them? Not everybody is in front of the computer, but just let me mention again, because I mentioned at the beginning, there are... On the event page, there there's some handouts and there's some worksheets that Kim has. Some people are just on the phone, some are on the computer, and some are both. Okay. So if you could imagine, Kim, that not everybody has it in front of them so you can describe it, I think that would I probably would be helpful. And, okay. and anybody can go onto my website, not now, but afterwards, and it's the kimpotkita.co.za. And on that website, all these worksheets I'm talking about are freely available and you can download and then they can work through them at a later stage. So they are all available for them to use. So what we will do, Kim, is when we send the recording out, we'll have your website. But also, everybody who signed up, I mentioned this earlier, but not everybody might have been on the call then. When you get the recording and you go online and you get the recording, the handouts will be there for you too so that you can have them and print them out and work with them. But also you can get them and other ones from Kim's website. Okay. Yes, back and I mean, I'm back to purpose. And I think, so what I was getting to on the retirement reflection number 13, which everybody can have access to the latest stage and go and look at it, we use the concept of the wheel of balance, and a lot of my meetings are structured around the wheel of balance because what happens is, and I will get to purpose, sorry, I'm going around about, most people come in and they say, I've got X amount of money for retirement, I've planned for retirement. And the caller said, the biggest thing is if they have no purpose, the money has no meaning. And we take quite a lot of time going around the wheel of balance. And just for those who haven't got it in front of you, I advocate, I don't message advocate that you stop working. Work, work is a component of the wheel of balance. Very much just give back. Where are you contributing and adding value to the world? What is your relationships like? And I must say that's where I use your book. Clients all have access to your book and we chat around the importance of the conversations between people. Obviously the money is one element. 
Ms. Mm. Knows great. I've used your words a lot and I refer to you a lot. Learning, we don't encourage anybody to stop learning when you stop being curious about life and it's actually what would be the point. Everybody needs to look after their health because without it, you can't have a retirement. And everybody's favorite, of course, is the play and what fun they can have with all the things they want to do. But importantly, and what underpins us all, is what is your purpose? And I often say to clients, I think we all think too highly about what purpose is. We want to compare ourselves to, I'll use Oprah Winfrey because she's from the States, but we think that's having a purposeful life, whereas most of our purposes are right in front of us, right in front of us, if we just appreciated all we were, and we weren't trying to be somebody that we thought everybody would be impressed with. And whether we're a wonderful mother or we we're actually going out there changing the world, it's that purpose that drives us, that gets us up in the morning, that makes us feel that we're contributing to the world. And, then, and that brings us back also to the kaleidoscope. You mentioned it. The big thing about the kaleidoscope is, for me, you can wake up in the morning and you can just tweak it. You can tweak how you see yourself, how you see the world, and it can be a completely different place as opposed to, woe is me, I have to retire, my body's aging. Wow, turn it. What am I going to go and add to today? Isn't this amazing that I've got this time for self-reflection? There's so many positives that can happen if we prepare to alter our attitudes. I love that image, and I think it's so important. It's just, it's like changing the lens that that we use to to see things, and it's a little bit tied into that half empty, half full. We could all be caught in this "woe is me" and everything's on a downward spiral, or what's new, what's thinking outside of the box. I know maybe it ties into this, or you might get to it a little bit later, but you have these 10 truths that you have that I think are helpful. At some point, hopefully, you'll share with people on the call the 10 okay. things to deal with about retirement. But maybe back to this wheel let's for a minute. Let's come back so, to that. Let's yeah. talk around the wheel of yeah. balance a little yeah, bit more. Absolutely, of how people can use it. And Go ahead. Yep. So the big thing is, uh, again, everybody, when they come to see me and when any of you are going through your own wheel of balance, it's not a competition against anybody else in the world. It's how you are and what improvements you want to make. So if you're quite happy with what you're doing in a certain area, you have to know that about yourself, then you don't need to make adjustments. But what I find is clients would be good in one area, so they put all their effort into the one area, and then all of a sudden there's no learning happening or they're not doing anything to worry about their health because they're so involved in give back or they're so involved in their money. And often I have clients that are very much involved in their money and they want to know what the returns are and or the opposite, they're in such fear that they might not have enough so they spend nothing and they stay home and they watch TV and they stop contributing to the world. So I, when the clients come in and we do this as couples if they are married, husband and wife together, which I love doing. I always say, let's fill the wheel of balance in on your own. I mean, we discuss it, but don't try and be what your husband is or what your wife is. Let me hear what it is you want for your retirement, and then we can come together and discuss it. We go through it, and then anybody who's completely fulfilled, we score it with a five, and if you're completely unfulfilled in an area, we give it a one. I get everybody to color in with pencil crowns, and I often get chartered accountants who haven't touched pencil crowns since they were five or six, and they look at me and say, really? <laughs> and I think it's very important to be able to see it visually, and when you can see the different colors, when you're out doing something, you think, hang on, remember, I only scored one out of five for my play area. I really need to be having some more fun. I really need to be going out there and trying new things. And that visual representation really helps them. I also have a website called, and you can put it on your website, retiresuccessfully.co.za. And on that one, you can actually go on and take your own wheel of balance test. And every six months, you can check that you've improved your balance or you haven't improved mm -hmm. your balance. Mm -hmm. So that's how we start the meetings is all of a sudden you used to have, we all have one definite for retirement, 168 hours a week. But we used to be doing 40, 50 hours of that in work. Now, how are we going to replace those hours 
but going around the wheel of balance, putting some into learning, some into health activities, some into purpose activities. So we try and spread it out. And the big message that I say to clients is it's not to try and get from one totally unfulfilled to five out of five in a week because then it's not sustainable. But get from one to one and a half. And that's what becomes important because it's sustainable. Yeah. And I think just to comment for a minute, it's such a beautiful tool to use and fits so much with people working with themselves or coaches. I know sometimes there's some coaches on the call too because it's like how do you bump it up just like you said from one to one and a half? What would be the action step or from one and a half to two in any of the things so that it's helping people not get so overwhelmed? I always say you but can't you don't go from feel like Z, you're getting you know, anywhere. Exactly. And so it's just step by st- little baby step by little baby step. And this just gives a really nice graphic way of looking at that. I think it's a lovely tool. So the next step that we take is so they've done the Wheel of Balance. And then the next one, which is called Retirement Reflection 14 on the worksheet and on my website, is we start putting together a form. We call it What's Working, What's Not. So we go through each area. So we'll take health, for instance, and we look at what are we doing in the health department that's working? Because guess what? As humans, we love to concentrate and say, oh, we do this wrong, we do this wrong, we do this wrong. What is working? Let's have that attitude of, oh, wow, I'm actually doing something right. So I get clients to write down what's working in their lives, and then we look at the second column, what needs work. So in the health area, what could I be doing a little bit differently? Just taking health, for instance, I always say to clients, it's obviously emotional and physical health that we're looking at, and I'm sure you all have those conversations, but it's important that we take both into account and never go and do exercise that's not fun, because what is the point? Why would we get to this age where we actually get choices and then go and choose to go to a gym when we absolutely hate a gym and we'd much rather be at a dance class? So again, you're having to answer some questions about yourself and stop worrying about what other people do and more start creating your retirement plan and and nobody else's. So that list helps bring, you're talking about the coaching steps, how you go from one to one and a half so that you've actually got an action plan in order to get to one and a half and a measurable system. Yep. Excellent. We have a couple of questions here that may... Sure. Let me ask those, uh, and then I'll explain what we do with that information afterwards. But let me answer some questions. I do feel like I'm going on with a... Let me just see. No, why don't you go on with how you deal with it first, then I'll bring in the other questions. Go ahead. Okay, so basically we fill in that form, what's working, what needs work. So we fill it in, so we've now got an action plan. In the past, what we used to do as a company is we had and I'm sure most of you have watched the movie, The Bucket List, and we used to compile a bucket list, for, help our clients compile a bucket list. We had bucket list diaries. And then with all that information, we used to then look at their financial plans and see how their money could give them this bucket list that they've composed. But the response I got from clients after about a year was, Kim, all our stuff on our bucket list is playing and fun things, but our lives are not meaningful. And that's where we've developed the concept of the bucket wheel, where we now take that wheel of balance with eight different areas, and we've made a bucket list, we've called it a bucket wheel, in order to make sure that, say, for instance, in relationships, you haven't got a good relationship with your child because you've had a disagreement and now you just don't speak to each other. That becomes a bucket list item or a bucket wheel item that you make amends with that child because that's something you really want to do. So it has equal spacing with wanting to go on a walking trip through Italy. And then we go around and we, we give items onto the health areas and onto making some money changes and making some give back changes. So all of a sudden the client has this bucket wheel and it becomes a framework for them to live the next 30, 40 years. And yes, life changes as they walk out of my offices but they feel more in control, more in the driving seat of, of, of where they're going as opposed to just leaving it to chance and letting life throw it what it wants to. 
which seems so important. It's, again, that notion about being more conscious and intentional about what you're doing and the being able to see it so clearly, I think, helps because it's less overwhelming, less abstract. How often do you have people back in to talk about what's, what they've worked on, what they haven't been able to work on, what changes, what kind of, how often do you meet with them? From a point of view, we are a financial planning company. We meet our clients once a year for a financial review and once a year for a life planning review. But if they go through any transition, so say something happened that they might have been working and then they're not working anymore or they're moving from their big house into, we call it retirement villages, if something like that happens, then they come in to see us. So that's on a proactive basis that, that they phone us. But once a year, we meet with them just to double-check how their wheel's going and so that we're always supporting them. And then what we do to support them is we have the website that I mentioned, retiresuccessfully.co.za, where they go on, and after they've taken their balance test on their own, we've got these amazing bloggers that are writing articles, giving them ideas of what they've done for health and what they've done for trips and what they've done for relationships. So they can read all that. And then our clients are sharing their retirement stories of how they're finding retirement. So it's a great sharing opportunity between clients and experts. So they've got that resource. And obviously we send them newsletters monthly and we send them a tip every Friday just to remind them of the philosophy and the attitude and the kind of things that they can be doing. So they're supporting them, only seeing them not necessarily that often, but supporting them with with, with all our um, information to help them. That's excellent. And the idea of being able to have people share their stories is terrific. I know you share a lot of stories in your book. Can uh, Maybe can you give an example of how an individual or a couple perhaps worked on some of this? And it ties into one of the questions that Loretta from Colorado has, which She says, my husband's been retired for two years. I'm targeting retirement in the next two to four years. It's becoming clear to me that our visions of retirement distribution around the wheel are very different. Thoughts on how to reconcile these differences? Maybe you can talk a little about that, maybe from some examples you have. I'll do a story afterwards, but I'll talk directly to that question. Okay. Because it's such, such a common thing that I see. When we marry somebody when we're much younger, We used to say we're going to have the same dreams and goals for the rest of our lives. We often change as people, and I'm sure we all know hormonally we're changing. Men are changing in a way where they become more wanting to be nurturing and wanting to be at home and with their families. And for a lot of women, they start to find their feet, they start to find their voices, and they've got these things they want to do, and that causes conflict. But having these conversations together, I always say to clients, my first place I like to start is that we manage expectations of each other. If we go into retirement thinking that our spouse is going to fulfill all our needs, are we going to be very disappointed, first of all, by retirement? Secondly, we're going to then start arguing with each other and expecting too much from each other. So we always start with what are our expectations of each other, and it might be a great conversation for them to have. What are their expectations? And yes, we're going to run parallel lives, but what are the things we can come together and do? So we chat around what are the hobbies that we can do together? What are the relationship things we can do together? Because we need that time together, but we very much also need our own individual time. And we appreciate coming together a lot more. I hope that answered that question. And tied in with that, before you go into the stories, Michael from Brookfield says, and I think you've responded to this, but maybe you can say again, should my wife and myself do the balance wheel and the bucket wheel separate and then do one together? Would that work best? So I guess the question is to then do one together or just share and then maybe create the shared vision together. But how do you tend to handle that? So definitely I'll ask clients to do it separately. We then come together and we discuss it together and we compile one of the things that they're going to do together because there are definitely joint things that they're going to do together. And we've made these beautiful books called the Bucket Wheel Book where we get clients to actually stick in a photo of what they want to do together and then the reason why they want to do it. 
because very important is, is visioning of what we want to do together. We put so much emphasis on what career we're going to do, the children we're going to have, where we want to live. But retirement for me, I see with clients, they very much think if they don't think about it, perhaps it will go away, which it doesn't. And the ones that I've seen that actually taken the time to put this foundation in place, sure, the, the, these stories are much more successful and much more meaningful. And then all of a sudden, that kaleidoscope of theirs looks really good. It's excellent. I mean, that I, yes, go ahead. But I also do with clients, and one of the uh, Donald sent me an email last night. I don't know if he's on the call, but. We run what we do with clients always to start off the meeting. So how we start a life planning meeting off is we've done a personality assessment. Because most of us go into our company and we're working on our personalities and what our personalities are and how we fit into a team. So now I hardly see a couple that walks in here that's ever done it together. So they're about to enter and they have been a lot of them married for 30 years. And they've never understood the frustrations and the challenges that they face together just because they actually see the world with a completely different view. And it normally comes back down to our core personality. And look, some of us are very analytical and some of us are dreamers. Some of us are people pleasers and some of us are huge big picture thinkers. So we do that first and it is something we offer Mm. if, if clients send us their email address and their birthday. I can send them back the login details where they do the personality and it's great to sit in and say, wow, that's why you've driven me crazy for all these years because <laughs> most of us get into relationships with people that are complete opposites. So that's Excellent. how we start the meeting. Yeah. And I would advise everybody uh, listening, do that with your spouses or with your significant mm-hmm. others so that you're starting off with a better understanding of each other. But we're not just doing things to irritate each other on purpose. Actually, it's the way we see the world. And where is it that people can do the assessment that you're talking about, Kim? So I go on to my website. Okay. Onto the website that kimportfitter.co.za. The, the one under your name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's retirement reflection number three. They can't do it online. They just have to email us their details, and then we send the test to them. They fill it in, and we send them back a full report. It's not okay. the most extensive one. But I've done right. it on hundreds of clients, and up to now, every client that I've done it on says, wow, that's me, Kim. Do you have, do you, the order they often say to me, do you have this magic thing that you get to see inside us? And I say, no, it's just because you've answered those questions. <laughs> and is it a free assessment that people could just send the details and well, then get it? Well, I don't for it. No, I'm not, I, I, I won't okay. charge any of it. People okay. that have bought my book. I'm obviously offering it in the book I offer right. to people who yeah, read the book too. and people who do my life planning meetings I offer to them. We're more than welcome to do it for any of the callers today. So if people write to Kim then and say, I was on the call today, it sounds like you can do it. It ties in. I don't know. This may be the Donald that emailed you yesterday. It may be a different one. This is Donald Ontario. And you've answered from a Canada. little bit. Let me just – from Canada, yeah. Let me yeah, – um, that was the same. Okay. In a way, you've talked a little about it with this assessment, but let me just ask you his question, which is many people go through life in a sort of bubble, circumscribed by their work and their social connections. Do you find your clients sometimes need to break out of the bubble before they can find truly meaningful pursuits? And if, how, and if so, how do you facilitate that? Okay. So I use a concept also from a book I've read by an author called Bob Buford. And it's called half time, and it's we get to look at constructing a parallel life. And I start off by saying to clients, what is their inner voice telling them? Not what is their wife telling them, or their husband telling them, or their children telling them. What is that inner voice telling them about their lives that they wish they'd done, or their teams they've done? And I think if we, and I, I think with losing ego, because as we get older, I believe we we become much nicer people as we lose ego. And if we really spend the time and look within instead of in our head at that, we are so much better positioned in order to find significance as opposed to just be chasing success, which we spent a lot of our lives doing. And then all of a sudden, when we're only answerable to ourselves, we come up with things that are much more suited to us 
than when we're busy answering everything to everybody. We use and the definition of retirement. I would love to change the, the word. And that's why you'll, in my book cover, I've included an A saying retirement. And the definition is a time in our lives where we get to achieve our unfulfilled dreams. Because we've got unfulfilled dreams. We just need to search a little bit deeper to find out what they are. But in our own time and on our own terms, as opposed to just being on that, I call it the hamster wheel of chasing, chasing, that we never really take the introspective time away say, what is it that I actually want? What is it that I want to do in my lifetime? I hope that answers that. I think that you've answered it nicely. And also, I just want to say that Michael, who asked a question before about the balance wheel and all, thanked you for your answer. She, he was Thank appreciative you very much. <laughs> I must say, I, I love being in front of people where, where I can see their reactions and see their faces. Yes, I know. That's one of the drawbacks of this. <laughs> But the concept you were just talking about is one that I totally share with you, too. And I think you used the same phrase that I've used at times, which is how to fit work into life rather than squeezing life into work or how to fit whatever it is into life rather than trying to squeeze it in. And Yeah, it's a very important one. So other ways that you use some of these tools or other tools that you use or stories, I'd love if you could just expand more and and share more of it. That comes from, I mean, I must tell you one of the stories of a client, but uh, let me share this first. One of the tools that I use often with clients, and and, it comes from the state so that everybody can relate to it. I did the Disney leadership course Mm -hmm. a few years ago. I came and and, and did the Disney leadership course. And very much for me, what I realized there, and it's become part of our coaching concept, and it is a coaching concept that I've come across other people using, is where we do our dreaming without our critics. Because when we come to this period, we have we are so good at limiting our own, and that's where you came and talked about thinking out of the box, we were really good at limiting ourselves and what we think we can achieve. So no sooner do we think of an idea, I would love to play the guitar, last played the guitar when I was 50. Oh, don't be an idiot. How can you play the guitar? Who's going to listen to you? You're never going to be that good. So then is that dream gone? And who actually stopped the dream? We stopped our own dream. So for me, Disney dreaming, I say to clients when they come in, we've left your critics in the next room. We are here today to dream the Disney way, and then we will bring the critics back in the room when we do the financial planning because we'll be able to see what you can afford and what you can't afford. Don't tell me as you think of an idea, I always wanted to do this, but I can't afford it. I always wanted to do this, but I can't afford it. Let's dream and I promise you, we will tell you what you can't afford and what is not possible with the money that you have saved and invested up until now. So for me, that's very important when we do all of this. Please get rid of those critics. They can come back right. in the room, but not while we're doing the dreaming because then none of our dreams actually get a chance to come up. And sadly, that's when I believe that we have regrets in life that sometimes are too late to actually be able to get for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important part. It's the getting rid of that inner critic for a while so you really can open up to the possibilities and then you figure out what's realistic or not. And if it's important enough, how to work backwards in order to maybe get to it or what you have to do even in terms of your money in order to maybe be able to achieve some aspect of it. So I think it's so important. Yep. Other Thank you. stories? I can share yeah, one of the stories. Yeah. Of a client that came in to see me. And when the client came in to see me, he was coming, he'd been with another financial planner, but him and his wife were living quite miserable retirements. He was in his early 70s, and he walked into our offices looking like he was carrying the world on his shoulders. And when we started chatting, um, I said to him, So tell me about your retirement. He said, It's such a disappointment. He owned this big printing business, and now. He didn't have it anymore, and I said, what are you doing with it? He said, no, I can't even play golf. I can't do the writing I thought I was going to do because um, my grandchildren's au pair because my daughter works. I said, well, you're an incredible father. Your daughter must be so appreciative of you because she, she must love her work or she must need to work. And as the story evolved, and it wasn't just one meeting, it was a few meetings, his daughter hated her job. All she wanted to do was be at home with her children. So here he was at home looking after the children. She was at work. 
he was miserable, she was miserable. So then I concluded that they obviously didn't have enough money to make any changes. And it turned out that he had so many, so a lot of money, but he'd invested it on the stock market and didn't believe in touching any of the capital. So if the dividend payout wasn't enough, that's what they used to live on. So this woman, probably at the age of 60, was going to inherit this massive amount of money, and yet they were both going to have lived these miserable lives. And we turned it all upside down, and we actually got him to pay her an income so she could stay home, look after her children, he could go and play golf and do his many things that he actually came up with in the end, going on a cooking course in France, and doing, he was one of the guitar lesson people, doing a writing course, because go and do all those things. Now when he comes into my office, he's the happiest person. She might be <laughs> inheriting a, a little bit less money for a return on investment. Wow, their return on life has been massive. Those are the cases that I love doing when I see that we're really adding value to those people. There's meaning to their money. So that was yeah. one of my most beautiful stories. And I, as, I, as you said in the book, we're lost. Because each and every people and person that comes into us has an individual story. Nobody comes in here without a story. And with this, with all this planning and discovering, watching them, while those kaleidoscopes turn and create these beautiful pictures, it is the most rewarding career that I could possibly ever have dreamed of having. It's wonderful. But you also speak, I think part of what you're saying, and maybe you can elaborate on this, the client that you were just mentioning came in and certainly money for him was the security and you don't touch it and it's Mm -hmm. for later. And that can be an early money message that he had or a belief system. And you're so right of needing to turn it on its head. But can you speak a little about the kind of belief systems and early money memories and how they influence people? Because I see that so often in the work I do, and I'm sure you see it all the time. <laughs> so one of the first questions that I ask the client after we've done the personality, I ask them to explain their first money memory to me. Most of them can't remember it, and in the course of the meeting, they'll always remember it. And that they can be in their 60s, and that money memory that normally happened between the age of 8 and 14 is actually driving their decision-making. Example is I had a couple come in the other day that they're having quite a lot of issues around money. And I asked that question, and he said his dad taught him that a fool and his money are soon parted, and he saved him. And for her, the money message from her parents was completely different. She believed that money is an energy and it needs to flow. If it's not going out, it can't come back in. So... Important is we don't always remember what our first money memory is for ourselves, and then we've never shared it with our partners, and we wonder why the divorce rate is so high around money. But how many of us ever talk about it? I certainly have found clients much happier to talk about sex than they are to talk about money, because money is a really taboo subject. I always say money, sex, and death are the taboos, and yet they bring people closer if you talk about any and all of them, really, but hard to do. And it becomes such a relief when you have spoken about them. Actually, just verbalizing it, as you're saying, you feel more connected and you remove so much of this anxiety you've kept inside and eventually it wants to explode because we don't want to talk about it. No, it's absolutely true. So it sounds like a lot of your work, I can feel the passion that you feel in your work and all, and a lot is, it sounds like, opening Even up to, even over the phone, absolutely. But I, I had shared with people at the beginning that I got to meet you in person a few <laughs> years ago, and so I, I felt the passion then, too. I hope um, I'm going to see you again. I hope so, too. I, that would be really lovely. I, I know we started a little late. Are you okay to continue for a few more minutes, or do you yes, need to get if off? If any more okay. questions, I'm very happy to answer them. Okay. So far, I haven't gotten any others, but I just want to invite people, if there are other questions or comments, to please send them in. Could you? I like the way that, and I don't know that you have to share all of them, because I really I do think people should buy your book, but I like your 10 Retirement Truths. Do you want to mention so even I'll more give everybody a little bit of. I'll give everybody a tip if they don't want to buy the book. They can obviously get it. Okay. It's on Amazon and it's on Kindle because it yeah. won't be in your bookstores. But on that website, the Kim Portketa one, I have an e-book of the 10 Retirement mm. Truths. So please, oh, okay. they're more than welcome Great. to go onto the website and download the 10 Retirement Truths. 
and very much for me, I did the retirement truth as just like the Wheel of Balance is a checkpoint. I thought, mm-hmm. let me summarize. It's not a summary of the book, but let me summarize some of the philosophies. And Good. I think my favorite one is truth number six, and that definitely is retire to and not from. Again, what mm-hmm. I see with client after client coming in, they want to tell me where they're coming from. And when I want to ask them about the future going forward, what it is that their retirement looks like, they want to concentrate on where they're coming from. And that whole wheel of balance just brings up that discussion and we say, we're helping you retire to something, not from it. And all of a sudden, it's the pull and not the push. And so that's one of my favorite ones. And then I think it's one you've also mentioned, and that's my truth number two, it's think out of the box. Just don't. Our role models for retirement are not great. So create your own role model and think out of the box of what that retirement is. It again also comes from somebody in the space. Her name is Elizabeth Jetton, and she talks around the puzzle concept. No, if you're building a puzzle, where do you start building your puzzle? And most clients want to tell me it's corners, and I want to tell them, no, it's actually the picture on the box. And what does the picture of your retirement look like? But please think out of the box. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's great... why I concentrate on that one. And I'll just give you one final one to, to end everything with. It's definitely it's about more than the money. And too many people, when we go in our companies, what are they? I'm sure in the States it's quite similar. What do we always talk about when we talk about retirement? We talk about saving for retirement. Never, we never speak around the life concepts of, of retirement. We think about, about putting this money away that we're actually preparing ourselves. In the meantime, that whole psychological transition is just as huge. So any final words to our listeners? I think what, very much you know, is make each day count. Stop putting your lives on hold if you are. I'm not saying I don't know who I'm speaking to, but make each day count because every day is important. That's important. And what about for people who are already in retirement? What thoughts do you have? Even more, this whole process, you're going to have to be over and over in retirement because as we change and as we want different things, we need to re-look at this and re-look at it because the more we energize and the more we involve and the more we're contributing, is the younger we all stay. <laughs> it's true. And all so of these I don't think this is any difference for when you're in retirement. And I had a client the other day, which was wonderful. He was in his mind. He's me, said to me, Kim, I've reread your book. And I see I've got some holes in my bucket wheel. I've got some holes and I'm busy sorting mm-hmm. that out. And, mm-hmm. and that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I like about your approach is there's a hopefulness to it too, which is look, see, tweak, Change the lenses, know that you can be in the driver's seat, basically, is what you're saying, if you have some consciousness and intention about how you want to live this next part of life. Our philosophies dovetail so much. It's part of why I love having you on the call. But you've got these wonderful tools for people, color-coded even, as you say, to use colored pencils, to see and then take positive steps little step by little step, and it's just very hopeful. It's open, opening yourself to possibilities. It's so great. Getting a compliment from you, I take as huge, so thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again for being here, and I want to thank everybody who's been on the call. And I, Thanks again, Kim. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Revolutionize Your Retirement Radio with Dr. Dorian Mincer. To learn more about the resources mentioned on today's show, listen to past episodes, or download our free retirement transition guide, visit revolutionizeyourretirementradio.com.